Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> for those of you listening, that was amazing. I'm starting the intro, and as soon as I start, Jeff just snaps his head uh, looking over at me. It's awesome. But thank you for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. Happy birthday, Jeff Bogue. Thank you, Joe Yeah, Caruso. as of this recording, it is your birthday. It is my birthday today. I get to go to my daughter's senior night lacrosse match tonight for that, my birthday. That's awesome. It's fantastic. We were also just talking about how there's the lovely added... Okay, so a couple of bir- birthday pet peeves we were just communicating about. Yes. The are you first... going to finish the intro or are we just going to start talking? I'll get there. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> right now we're not talking about anything this podcast is about. So that's we'll just right. dive okay. into this. So um, yeah, so y- y- I totally agree with you. You were sharing like, yeah, now that it's my birthday, I'm obligated to respond to hundreds of people online, which it's so nice yeah, it's that they reach out. Yeah, it's incredibly nice because you would be hurt if nobody said anything. <laughs> but now what, I, what I'm going to do tonight is watch Girls Lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> Go home to my house, which is a complete construction zone, and uh, hit like <laughs> on a bunch of stuff. That's and thank awesome. you, everyone, who wished me happy birthday. I actually do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It is uh, amazing how much that can mean something. And then the other thing I mentioned was, I don't know how many of our listeners would agree with this. It seems like if you're over 10, you pretty much hate singing happy birthday, and you hate having it sung to you, so why do we do it? We still do it. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't think I've ever seen a teenager or adult who's having happy birthday sung to them, and their face looks like, I love this. light up. This is amazing. It always looks awkward, like, oh, they're singing to me. So our our family tradition is to sing, (laughs) it's actually hilarious, is to sing happy birthday in the worst possible manner. That sounds way better. Yeah, at least it's fun. So. Yeah, that's yeah, it's fun. I actually didn't even remember it was my birthday today. I, I woke up, Heidi that's was... a sign of Heidi, old age. Yeah, <laughs> Heidi was up before me, and I was like getting my uh, shoes on or whatever, and she's like, happy birthday. I'm like, oh, that's right. That's right. So I had so much on my mind. I've had a busy week, but so much on my mind, I kind of forgot about it. That, is, that can be the downside of like a midweek birthday. It's just like, it's just Wednesday. I think whenever it shifts and you buy your own birthday present, it, it, <laughs> like what are you looking forward to exactly besides all those messages to reply to? It's like, I'm going to go spend some of my money and buy myself something for my birthday. Yeah, yeah. No, it's the way it works. But I did get uh, my admin team that works directly with me got me this amazing carrot cake, which is my favorite thing mm. in the world. So I've been um, I've been gaining weight for my birthday, <laughs> which is great. One more reason to love your birthday. <laughs> so, so good. Well, from news sources to comedians, from friends <laughs> to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think, live, and make our decisions. But when everyone disagrees, how do we cut through that noise? And how do we sift through all that information overload and choose what actually governs our lives? As we pray and process these things, we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. So since we already, you know, shot the breeze a little bit here, Jeff, this is the question that's come our way for today. Okay. What do we do when we're spiritually fatigued? Mm -hmm. Like, life is just overwhelming. I'm just tired. I don't, quote unquote, have time to read or to study or to be in a group or to volunteer. It just all seems daunting. What do I do? It's a great question, and it's a it's an interesting one because it has. It's one of those questions that um, you have to decide whether you accept the premise to it or not. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, I will be the first to admit that I am 
uh, not one who has a ton of empathy for uh, someone who says, I don't have time. Mm. So I'm, I have a lot of demands on my time and um, have learned over the years that I have time for whatever I decide to make time for. Interesting. So that's a, that's a premise mm-hmm. that I just want to acknowledge. We'll talk about it maybe here in a minute. The place that I do have empathy and a lot of sympathy for is I feel fatigued. Yeah. And I feel overwhelmed. And that could be anything from like all of my life and, and the demands on our time that takes us to exhaustion all the way to like I've been in this trial mm-hmm. or in this bad place for a long, long time and it has taken its toll. Yeah. You know, so I think I think uh, if our if our listener was here, I probably start to ask them some questions and clarify a little bit. So I'll kind of I'll kind of section this off and answer it in categories, and then for our listener, uh, because I can't ask you directly, uh, hopefully one of those categories will will strike at maybe what you're actually thinking about. That sounds so, great. So when I when I come to uh, the idea that I am just fatigued in mm-hmm. life, right? So we go, North Americans, we tend to go pretty hard, and we go hard after work, we go hard after play, and then if you're a parent, you probably chase your kids a lot. Mm-hmm. If you're a teenager or a college student, you probably fill your schedule with activities a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, eight hours of your day, if you're like a, a teenager, is dictated to you. Sure. Maybe more like nine uh, that you have to go to school. Um, if you play a sport or do band or what or something like that, extracurricular, that's probably your your day probably just went to eleven hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you add uh, eight hours of sleep theoretically yeah. onto that. We're at nineteen hours. You probably have two to three hours of homework a night. You're at twenty two, twenty three hours. If you have a part time job. Now, somewhere in there, something's giving, and mm-hmm. usually when you're young, it's more like sleep yeah. or school, uh, the homework part of it, mm-hmm. um, and that fatigue is is something that is difficult to manage but needs to be managed. We carry that into adulthood. Yep. So if you're a working adult, uh, you're probably working eight to 10 hours a day is probably a normal, sure. what I would think of as a normal work day. Then you have activities or responsibilities in, in the evening, mm-hmm. uh, and then your weekends get tied up. So that kind of fatigue, the answer to that kind of fatigue and spiritual fatigue is actually margin where you have to look at your life, and one of the things that you have to be willing to do for your spiritual and your emotional and even your physical health is you have to be willing to say no, and you have to be willing to say enough. Um, I heard an author one time say, he said, um, if you don't create margin, God will create it for you. So if you don't take the time to rest and to care for your health, you're going to have a heart attack one way or another you're going to back off. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't take time to care for your relationships, they're going to break. So one way or another, you're going to wind up with the, the time. And so that idea of margin is actually a discipline that we need to put into our lives. And it's not 
necessarily because there's a crisis. I'm going to talk about that in a minute because to me that's category two. Mm. This is self-created. Um, I remember doing this as a parent. You know, we've always Heidi and I have always been busy, and when uh, we have six children, uh, when I was in my 30s, I was uh, planting the church. I was getting graduate degrees, and I was trying to raise six kids, have a home, you know, all those kind of things. And I remember one day, um, we, we had our kids involved in all kinds of sports. It's kind of what everybody did, and we're like, well, we should do it. And so got them involved in all kinds of sports. And I remember one day rushing home, exhausted. It was for me, it was probably 10 or 12 hours after I had left the house in the first time. The kids had soccer practice. Uh, they were playing, having a great time. And I was like, you got to go to soccer practice. They didn't want to go. They couldn't find their stuff. I'm yelling at them. They're crying. My evening is ruined and tense. Their evening is ruined and tense. And I remember thinking, why are we doing this? <laughs> like, this is just dumb. If the point of the sport is to have fun with your friends, they were having fun with their friends. Right. Um, if the point of the sport is so that there's an environment that I can be involved in my kids' lives, well, now like they resent that, and, and I'm like, this is all this is is a societal demand mm. that's unnecessary. We're done. We're done. And I took the kids out of sports. Heidi was all about it, too. When they got older, they asked to be involved in sports, and, and that's a, that was a different conversation. Sure. But I'm like, they never asked to be signed up for soccer. They never asked. They didn't look forward to it. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. And so we, we stopped and found that margin. Uh, I do the same thing in my professional life, right? I have a very big job. It's a very demanding job. Actually, I have a couple of those. And I just say that's enough, mm -hmm. right? And and so it may take you six weeks to get an appointment with me. Um, it may mean I don't get that project done as fast as I could get it done. And I'm like, I, because if I drop over dead, I'm a, I'm a pastor, if I drop over dead today, mm -hmm. we'll have services Sunday. <laughs> and, and, and I love our church, and I feel loved by our church, but that's just the way that that is. Sure. It's my, it's my family that will, and, and, and my closest friends that will be left holding that tab. Mm -hmm. So that's all margin stuff, and we can do margin. You know, um, my kids are in college, and if I want to spend time with them, that means that I'm probably going to stay up late, mm -hmm. right? Well, um, I used to be able to do that and be fine the next day. Well, I can't anymore. I'm 52 as of today. I'm 52 <laughs> years old. I'm not old. I'm not in ill health. I'm just not 25. Yep. So um, if I can't sleep in the next day... I'm not going to the 10 o'clock showing of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, even though the kids are going. Like, so it, it's just looking, and it's, it's all good stuff. It's valuable stuff. It's saying no so that there's space. And then the emergencies are the emergencies. You know, you can't really do anything about it, and you don't, you're not going to look at somebody you love and say, forget it, this is my day off, you know, kind of thing. But, but... This is a big part of it. And I tell you, this is the 
the phone plays a part in this. Like when you go to bed and you scroll for an hour and a half, like in the morning you wish you had that hour and a half back. Um, that like Netflix, the video games, your social life, all the rest, and then you get into like work, professionalism, and it's just drawing those lines and and remembering that God, my body is not mine. So I, if I borrow your car, Joe, I'm not gonna take it and drive at 130 miles an hour for 100,000 miles and never change the oil. Sure. It's not mine. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be more careful and not abusive. So my body is not mine. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't use it to the capacity that God wants me to, to mm-hmm. use it, or I, and I can use it, which is higher than most people think, but it does mean I don't abuse it. Yeah. And um, so I think margin is a huge part of that. So that's the first thing I would say. That's great. I think that... Um, it's something that has to be intentional. Like, we actually had a conversation probably eight or nine years ago, you and I did, about how, like, margin in your life naturally backfills on its own. Yeah. And so, like, if you decide to quit soccer, or if you decide to pull back off of that extra part-time job, or if you decide, I'm not going to do this hobby anymore, if you're unintentional about the margin you just created, yep. it will just backfill with the rest of the craziness. And so being intentional with like, okay, not only am I going to scale back here or just not be a part of X, I have to make sure then that I utilize that appropriately and wisely. Otherwise, I'm going to feel just as crazy. It's just with something different. Yeah, you have to assign values. Like, I really, um, I'll say this to parents out there who are raising kids right now. You you really need to double-click on things like sports, things like band, things like theater, etc., um, because the the return on that investment is generally low. Sure. Mm. Extremely low. So me handing my kids over to a coach to raise them, it's three hours I don't get to be involved with their life. Mm-hmm. After I wasn't involved with their life for nine hours. Right. So what happens is, let's say a kid sleeps eight hours a night. They're at school for nine hours. They go to practice for three hours. We're 20 hours in, and I'm going to have a relationship with my kid. Mm-hmm. Now, is that worth it so that they can play a few minutes in a soccer league? Mm-hmm. Um. I will, uh, parents, I watch this happen all the time. I love you, but you, you need to listen to me. You'll pull your kids out of church. You'll pull them out of biblical community, and you'll put them on traveling soccer teams year-round. Mm-hmm. You'll pay a fortune. You will pull out of church and biblical community because you got to go stay at a hotel somewhere. All right, they're not even, the, the likelihood of them even getting a scholarship to college is minimal, and you are not raising Pele. Sure. So now my kids don't have a relationship with me. They don't have a relationship with the Lord. They don't, they don't know how to navigate life, but they have soccer skills. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I'm not anti-sports. No, yeah. But I'm like, it, it's, it's simply assigning a value to it. Like sure. There, there's, there's a point that they can play in a club once a week and have fun and make some friends 
and you get value to AAU basketball, your kid is not going to the NBA. I saw this is this is a um, a pretty blunt way of saying this, but I actually just saw a meme not that long ago that said there's a there's less than a two percent chance that you'll receive an athletic scholarship to college, and there's like a zero 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 or a point zero 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 one two three percent chance that your kid will make any sport pro. But there's a hundred percent chance that you need the healing in the life of Jesus. Yeah, and so it's again, it's not that you can't do sports, but if you're forsaking one for the other, it, it, it's a whole different thing when your kid play. My kids play sports. It's a whole different thing when it's the season uh-huh. and it's fun. They miss youth group a couple times and they they enjoy it. You know, all those kind of things. It's great. When that turns into five weeks of camp in the summer that they have to go to skills camps so they can make the varsity whatever mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, we just have to. And, and then I think what breaks my heart is if a lot of families will look and say, I'm just too busy. The church is, I mean, you guys want me to volunteer? You want me to give money? You want me to, I'm like, but you don't say that to a coach. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm trying to give you something that has eternal value. Mm-hmm. They're teaching your kid a sport that they're not going to play as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some life lessons that could be learned on a missions trip. Sure. And those values, um, they translate into adulthood. Like, I, I was recently talking with two different married couples that feel very, very distant from each other. And, and the one in particular, I'll go there as an example, like, they would both acknowledge they feel distant. They would both acknowledge they don't get enough time. And he's in a golf league, like, three nights a week. Yeah. I, I, he, quote, unquote, has to. And it's like, okay, well, somewhere in his brain, and I know that he had a lot of this kind of stuff in his childhood, he equated, like, being a part of sports being a part of these leisure activities, whatever, is more important than running after the relationships. Or maybe it's even just easier than running after the relationships in my life. But it, it can translate into adulthood in an unhealthy way. So what happens is when we say, I'm fatigued, hmm. um, what we're talking about is, uh, and again, I want to say to our listener, like if, I, if you were here, I'd ask you questions. So that's why I'm categorizing it. But when we say I'm fatigued, I'm like, I bet you are. But not every, the Bible says not everything is beneficial. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'm not anti-hobbies. Uh, Heidi made me get one because I, de- <laughs> I have to de-stress a little bit. So my, my yard is kind of my hobby. So I de-stress with it. Uh, I'm anti, like, when all those things are taking me away from my responsibilities, they're also taking me away from the things that actually fulfill me. By the way, work is the same thing. Hmm. So uh, I can get lost in work because I don't want to deal with my kids. Sure. I can get lost in work because I don't want to deal with my spouse. And then, and then we'll say, I'm just so busy, I'm so fatigued, and I'm like, you're, you're living your life for things that are very, very little value. Mm-hmm. And what happens then is you wind up picking up relationships. Those relationships do not last. Um, once your kids quit playing sports together, you don't see those people again. Once you, uh, you know, every high school senior's graduation season right now, every high school senior is going to learn this painful lesson 
that 98% of the people you went to high school with, you'll never talk to again, mm-hmm. but you gave four years of your life to impressing and, and, and everybody who's ever been downsized or fired or retired knows that the world moves on without you. Yep. Everybody who's ever lost a loved one knows that the world moves on without you. Except your family, except for truly close friends. Mm-hmm. So that's why Jesus is like, invest your life in things that are eternal. Mm-hmm. Because when things move forward, it, you added value to it. Right. But that when, when, when you have a heart attack at work, they're not shutting the company down. No. It's just the way that it is. And, and I... Like I said, I love being a pastor. I love the church. I just, I just learned that, you know. Mm-hmm. I learned that I have people uh, break relationship with me sometimes over f- foolish and silly things. I never see them again, and I'm like, I love you, but and I tried to mend that relationship, but I'm like, it just puts it into place for me a little bit. Mm. And so I think those boundaries are huge. Now, here's the second thing. I'll talk about time, and then I'll talk about real fatigue. Sure. Uh, one, one thing that my children and others have learned over the years not to say to me is I don't have time. Mm. I mean, that's not true. Uh, because uh, we all have the same amount of time. And so if I can produce with my time at 4 or 5x what you produce with your time, that's not because I have more time. That's because we're spending our time differently. So here's the stat that I think is important. If you there's 168 hours in a week, if you sleep eight hours a night and you work 10 hours a day for um, uh, five days a week, that's a 50 hour work week, and that's a good night's sleep every night, you will still have 48 hours of free time to do whatever you want to do with it. Hmm. So you're ma- you're working a good a, that's a good solid work week, 50 hours in our mm-hmm. cultures. That's not that's not chump change. You're sleeping you still have the equivalent of a full-time job. So if I looked at you and said, Joe, you can have a full-time job, you do whatever you want. I don't care what you do. You still have a full-time job to do whatever you want to do. So when when someone says, I don't have time, I'm like, that's never true. You have not assigned value. Mm -hmm. And what happens sometimes is this, is when I look and say, I have to volunteer, well, I just signed a value to that. Like the last thing I want to do is volunteer. I have to go do it. I have to go. I have to go to uh, life group. Well, I just assign value to that. I have to go to my kids' game. Uh, Mom makes me go to Bible study. Well, you just assigned a value to it. So the issue is not the time. The issue is the value. And I think a parent's job is to help their children assign right value to right things. That's why you're not going to sit in your room all day and play video games. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a brother and sister in Christ's job is to help each other see value in certain things. I don't have, I just don't have time to, to serve anybody. What you just told me, you watched all 15 seasons of The Walking Dead. <laughs> So it's just not true, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I just my boss is so demanding. I don't have time for that project. Well, wait a minute. You just said this mm-hmm. that I'm playing golf three nights a week. I'm like, this is not true. 
So that that argument will rarely fly with me. Um, so boundaries is like category one. Mm-hmm. Uh, time management is category two. By the way, I don't believe that time is lost in days and hours. I think it's lost in minutes. Mm. So when you learn to be efficient with your minutes, you will learn to be efficient with your hours. You will learn to be efficient with your days and then your weeks. So if you want a dumb little trick, this is as dumb as it gets. When you don't want to do something, so like when your wife says to you, this may or may not happened in my life <laughs> uh, last night. <laughs> when your wife says, will you go upstairs and get the comforter out of the dryer? Because uh, we went to bed, there's no blanket, you know? So she's like, well, you go do that. And, and your reaction is, oh, mm-hmm. oh, right? Just aggravation. This is what I learned to do. This is the dumbest little thing, and I know you're going to think I'm a nerd for doing it. Um, walk up to the dryer and count how long it takes you to do it. Mm. So I'll just start counting. One, two, three, four. Check the dryer. The cover was still wet. Put it back in. Restarted the dryer. So 90 seconds. 90 seconds mm-hmm. is is what was being asked of me. Now, you would have thought Heidi said, will you go chip the ice off the river and catch me a fish? <laughs> you know, the way it felt. But I'm like, that... the. Me investing 90 seconds Mm -hmm. is the difference between Heidi feeling loved and served in that moment and us having a fight. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. You waste time in minutes. Mm -hmm. And what happens is a lot of times well-spent minutes make massive differences. So I I like to say the difference between good and excellence is usually about 15 minutes. Hmm. If you, if you spend about 15 more minutes on something, you'll move a category mm-hmm. um, with it. And if you learn to use your minutes well, you'll use your hours well, your days well, your weeks well, your, your life well. I just learned something else along those lines. There's probably a lot of our listeners that aren't natural morning people. And if any of our listeners happen to be snooze button type people, you're actually destroying the value of those minutes. Just learn this. So especially if you're the type of person that hit the snooze and within that nine minutes you actually do doze back off, it is like scientifically proven that your mind is more tired after every time you hit the snooze than you would have been if you'd have just woken up the first time because you're restarting sleep cycles every time you hit the snooze. So instead of being up, even if it was from your alarm and that quick burst of adrenaline hits, instead of being up... You hit the snooze button, and then you drift back off to sleep. And then, oh, there's the alarm again. Yeah. And now you're really groggy, and then you keep doing it to yourself. So not only are you wasting nine-minute intervals, you're actually making the time that you eventually get up even worse. Yeah. Now, what if you reset it for 90 minutes later? um, I suppose that's fine, (laughs) but why is your alarm going off at 4.30 (laughs) a.m.? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, so I'm fatigued because I don't have margin. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel overwhelmed fatigue because I don't invest my time. Now, here's the one that I that I think we have to be very, very sensitive about is I'm fatigued because I've been in a battle. Yeah. And my relationship or my health or my kid, and there's no real end in sight. Um, 
and not sure my life is ever going to change, or maybe by that I meant like change back. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely spiritually exhausted. Yep. What do I do? So here's what I would say to that. Two things. Number one, we have to remember that the Bible does not always tell us why God does what he does, but he tells us what he is doing when he does it. Hmm. So James chapter 1 is, is my favorite passage of the Scripture, and it's one that I have memorized um, because I need to quote it to myself the most, and that is, count it pure joy, my brother, and whatever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you are mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, they should ask God who gives who gives generously without finding fault. But when you ask, you must believe, or you will be like a man blown and tossed by the wind. And so I, the reason I memorize that and quote that so much is because I am not a person who counts a trial as a joy easily. Mm. I would rather defeat the trial and punch it in the face. <laughs> so what the Bible says is, what, what God is saying to me in part is, he's like, Jeff, there's certain things that you're not going to defeat. Yeah. Don't be arrogant. Wow, yeah. That doesn't mean I'm not working. And your willingness and my presence in helping you to embrace this, what that's actually doing is maturing you and completing you so you're not lacking anything. So when I feel fatigued, I have to remember that I am like an athlete. I'm fatigued because I am running a marathon. Yeah. And God is building me and sustaining me. That's one thing. The second thing is... When I'm fatigued like that, I have to remember that I'm not alone. Mm. So the scripture says that God is our ever-present help in time of trouble. And so my joy comes from the Lord, and that joy is my strength. So the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when I'm fatigued, what I'm gonna have what I have to do sometimes is I have to look outside of the situation in which I am being drained and look around the situation and find joy. Hmm. So um, my relationship is very difficult. The weather is beautiful. Um, my physical health is, is deteriorating. My spiritual health and relational health is through the roof. I feel alone because that person hurt me, but I remember these people love me. Mm-hmm. And I find that joy, and that those are God moments, and they give me strength. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a lot. My mom and dad had a very difficult life, and I did too when I was little. But one of the things we talked, what we did a lot as a family, so we laugh, hmm. and it would give you strength, and you laugh about it. You know that mom would have a health problem, we'd laugh about it. Dad would have a a thing where he would kind of be out of his mind for a minute. Well, we laugh, not at him, with him. It's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, so you find that. And then the last thing I would say is what the Bible says a lot, and we don't necessarily like this, but what the Bible says a lot is it says to endure, mm. it says to be patient, and it says to learn long long suffering or li- literally like to suffer long, yeah. right? 
And that endurance, what helps us to do that is there is a prize at the end of it. There's a reward. And so when I'm fatigued, I have to remember that God is going to reward and he is going to work. And so it's, it's, it's like a, um, an athlete who falls, who collapses and gets up and takes five more steps and gets up and takes five more steps. It's, it's that imagery of a person that's just not going to go down. What God doesn't usually do, sometimes he does, but he doesn't usually give you this grand finish where all the problems go away mm-hmm. and you never have to deal with it again. Mm-hmm. So I have to learn to rest along the way. I have to learn to embrace what God is doing instead of asking God to embrace what I wanted him to do. And I have to find those joys along the way. And and that alleviates the fatigue. I don't think fatigue ever fully leaves us because I think life is hard, and but God is good. But it positions our heart and our mind in a different way with all that. Yeah, I, I, I like that so much. And one of the places where we can get ourselves in trouble and is is that isolation like you said like i get tired and so i withdraw mm-hmm. um and i get away from the people that love me i get away from the people that are trying to pick me up i get away from the people that remind me and encourage me i get away from all of those things cuz life is so daunting life is so busy life is so whatever and we think it's to pull back because i need to quote unquote be strong and i have to like endure and i have to do this but when you isolate you're actually weakening your situation you're making yourself more prone to yeah. believe the lies, more prone to be yeah. p- picked off, quote unquote, by the enemy. Um, you're now suddenly you're still getting input from the world, the, uh, the media, the whatever, and you're not allowing yourself to be um, sucked back into the truth and what God's trying to build you in those persevering moments. And so, like, if if we don't do all the things that you just said, not only are we going to feel fatigued. But now we're allowing ourselves to be completely alone and isolated, and we're, we're going to find ourselves uh, not just in fatigue, but in crisis. Yeah, and and the and sometimes we have in those moments we have to work against our nature. Mm-hmm. You know the, um, you know sometimes when I'm tired and wiped out, I just want to eat a bag of chips and drink a soda. What would really wake me up and giving me energy is if I went for a walk. Right. So you have to work against your nature, and I'm seeing this. I see this in church life a lot, like I'm tired, I'm wiped out, I'm going to stay at home, I'm going to watch online, and then people will come back to church and be around people, and they're like, oh, I miss this. I'm yeah. like, yeah, because it's, it is hard to get here, so to say. It's, it's never really fun to get to the gym. Mm-hmm. It's always rewarding to have been there. It sure is, yeah. And, and um, that's part of it. But God is with us, and, and sometimes these circumstances are out of our control, mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes I'll be honest. I, I look at what people have to go through, and I'm like, I don't I don't know how you keep your sanity. Yeah. And so what you're seeing is like the Holy Spirit work within them, giving them grace for the moment. You can see God work in powerful ways in those times, um, because sometimes they're very very real. And, yeah. Uh, and we just have to trust God in the midst of them. Yeah. Re- remembering that the the goal that God has for us is relational proximity to him and uh, healthy relationships 
uh, like in other words, to love God and to love others, the circumstances are nowhere in that promise. They're nowhere in that command. So sometimes if it takes crazy circumstances and he needs to redeem us out of those, then like that's going to be better for us to have to have persevered for even a season as long as life um, to have the fruit of what God is inviting us to at the end of it. Yep. Well, thank you, uh, Jeff, for walking us through that. I think all of those facets are um, very, very helpful and, and, and really good to think through, and my guess is most of them are going to apply to at least um, a smattering of our listeners. If you have questions that you'd like us to address, you can always uh, fill out the form at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages, and we'd love to get after it. We'd love to talk about these things and kind of um, decompress a little bit how these play out in our lives. If we can help you take any unique next steps, maybe you're in one of those positions and you do feel overwhelmed and you don't know what to do, reach out. Let us know. We would love to talk you through that and maybe point you to some resources uh, if we absolutely can. If you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it, make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, and review our podcast. And if you're looking for a church community to follow uh, Jesus and run after him, you can always join us here at Grace Too. Well, thanks for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. See you next time.